I had the privilege of being led. Brenda and I both, she came to, my wife Brenda came to Christ at this church in Sacramento called Arcade Baptist Church uh, with a beautiful, profound, fantastic pastor. That dude could preach the walls off the, he could preach and he was, it was intelligent, it was deep uh, and we loved him and he, he loved all the little future preachers you know, in the church. And so we were interns. I was an intern, a youth ministry intern back in 1976, I think I started there. Brenda and I met there, and uh, Pastor Toms, Lee Toms, a name I honor for the rest of my life. I have a picture of Pastor Toms here on this podium with the, with the benediction he used to give every Sunday. Um, and he used to gather us when we were interns, and he was sort of proud like we were his children, you know, and he'd gather us all uh, and you didn't get that much time with Pastor Tom. This was a fairly large church, and he was s sort of special. So if you got to sit in his office, that was pretty special. And he would call the interns in, and he knew we were off to seminary soon. He would call us in. And one of the things he used to say to us all the time as we were going off to get our graduate degrees at seminary was he would caution us, make sure you're not one of those preachers whose all degrees and no temperature. <laughs> he was plenty of temperature. And then I had this professor at, at, in seminary up in Portland, my first little seminary stop, who was one of those teachers that, like the one you're going to see next week, David Nystrom, he's one of those, those amazing teachers that's one of my favorites. I never miss a chance to hear him teach. But one of those, when I was in seminary, was a guy whose name I also honor. He's still pastoring up in Portland, Oregon. He must be 150 years old by now. I hope he watches this so that he can hear me say that. Uh, Jim Andrews, James Andrews. And I've told you that quote before that he gave to us. I'll doctor it a little bit now. But he used to talk about warning against becoming a person who is a, who's trying to build his or her life into a skyscraper, trying to build a skyscraper life on a chicken coop foundation. You can't build a skyscraper life on a chicken coop foundation. He used to say you can't build a skyscraper theology or doctrine on a chicken coop foundation, but same, same. And last summer we had the privilege as pastors of being treated to uh, a trip to the Holy Land. One of our members became aware that none of us had been there, and so we got the privilege of going there. And one of the things we did when we were there was to go to the, uh, the Wailing Wall, the Western Wall. And we three, Jeff and Ben and I, the three lead pastors, prayed together for you at the Western Wall. And we stuffed your names into the cracks and Marine Covenant Church and all. But there's this beautiful experience there at this Western Wall. But underneath that great wall, there's a foundation. And we, Israel, or Jerusalem, we found out is a city full of tunnels. And we went to one of the tunnels, and this was just discovered a few handful of years ago. We're down underneath the tunnel, and I was reminded of some of those things that Pastor Toms and Jim Andrews said, because something we realized when we were in the tunnels beneath the Western Wall in Jerusalem was something that's true of great walls, it's also true of great lives. That is, in order for what you build above ground to last, what you build below ground must be solid, must be 
substantial. This is a picture of what's been called the Western Stone. That is one stone. You can kind of see, you can kind of see the dimensions of it right in here. That's one solid stone, and it's so big, it's called, it's got its own name, the Western Stone, the Western Wall Stone. 44 feet long, almost 10 feet tall. Depending on where you measure it, it's six to eight feet thick. Now remember when this was put into place, when it was hand-carved and put into place. And it weighs an estimated, estimated 570 tons, one stone. Because nothing truly great is ever constructed without being preceded by something even greater to hold it up. Does that make sense? You can't build a skyscraper life on a chicken coop foundation. Can't be a leader that's all degrees and no temperature. In order for a wall to go high enough to be strong and strong enough to last and do any good, something is required first. And that is the message I bring to you today. Depth first, depth second, depth always. That's true with the city walls built by our ancestors, and it's true with the lives that we're all trying to build today. As was true with my friend Alex's house in Sacramento that was built and then without a foundation, and then 40 years later, he's required to put a foundation under it. What a mess that was when they had to jack that whole house up and then redig that foundation and try to do it backward. It's always foundation first. Structure second, depth first, depth second, depth always. <coughs> That's the one point sermon I have for you today. That's it. You need to walk out of here saying, when it comes to my life, depth first, depth second, depth always. When it comes to the kind of father I'm going to be to bend number 10, what do I want him to look at when he looks back at his dad's life, when he's our age, oh, for my dad, it was depth first. For my mom, depth first, depth second, depth always. And for me, it's going to be depth first, depth second, depth always. Substance of character, substantial faith. But this one point I'm trying to bring to you, and this will be from Acts chapter 5. If you want to follow along with me in a second, I'm going to read that. Really, the end of Acts chapter 4, and then we'll just go through verse 11 of Acts chapter 5. This point may be one of the most essential points to remember for all of us who are seeking to follow Christ or who are following Christ. And that's this, that spiritual greatness always follows spiritual weight. Spiritual greatness always follows spiritual weight, spiritual depth. It's always depth first, depth second, depth always. There are no shortcuts through God's doorway to renown. I'm trying to say this as many different ways as I can say it. It's all the same one point. That door of renown in terms of the way God measures it is unlocked only through that key called spiritual viability, spiritual weight, spiritual depth, spiritual substance. 
for true champions of the faith. That's the way it always is. Depth first, depth second. And what? Depth always. That's the one point. And I mention that because we see that in this text that I referred to earlier. Acts chapter 4. Now you can, in your pew Bible, that's page 1094 if you want to follow along. We don't have it on the screen here. But I want to read this because you may not remember the story. And I'm going to read most of this right from the text. I might jump through to save a little bit of a time, a little bit of time when it's pretty clear where this thing is going. But remember, this is about depth first, depth second, depth always. This is the story of Ananias and Sapphira. And they come and they bring a gift. And they hold back half the gift, but pretend that the gift they brought to the apostles is the whole gift, and things don't go that well for them when they do that. In fact, they both die right there on the spot. This is a text pastors love to use to manipulate congregations to give more. (laughs) Pretty good motivation. And this is secondarily about our giving and the practice of generosity and how sold out we are. Christ. But it's not primarily about that. This is primarily about the seductive temptation to try to find recognition apart from depth. To get it backward. In fact, that's what I named this sermon. The fine art of getting it exactly wrong. Which is what we've done as a nation. We elect celebrity, not depth which we've done as a church, we seek and then put into power, even in our congregations, celebrity, not depth. And there's all sorts of wreckage that happens when that is our preference. Listen to this. Should have eaten breakfast. So the church is gathered together. This is early church still. And Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Now that is the briefest, that's the shortest part of what I'm going to read, but one of the most important to lean on. And then comes Ananias and Sapphira. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. What am I doing? Ananias and Sapphira. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. And then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart? And you're thinking, filled my heart for what? I just gave you all this money. I sold my piece of land. And the, the apostle knows something's wrong. You've kept back uh, this piece of The property, how has he filled your heart? You've lied to the Holy Spirit. You've kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? I mean, it was yours to make whatever decision you wanted to make with it. And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal to do whatever you wanted to do with? And the, the grammatical structure of this sentence, as well as the context, implies an answer that is, yes, it was yes. Everybody agreed to that. What made you think of doing such a thing? Which thing? Of bringing half of the money and presenting it in front of everybody here as though it was the whole price of the land. See the pretending going on here? 
You've not lied just to human beings, but to God. And when Ananias heard this, he fell down and he died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. So I'll stop right there and just manipulative, manipulative, just manipulate you, manipulatively say to you, yeah, doggone better well give your money to the church or you're all going to die. No, I'd rather say what the apostles said. Hey, aren't we free people? Isn't that ours to manage and do with as we see fit? May you have great hearts of generosity and from that motive give so that people's lives can be touched. And I won't read the rest because I'm going to run out of time. But the following texts, the following verses describe that his wife Sapphira did the exact same thing. They were separate from each other. Ananias comes and does his thing. And then he's carried out dead. And then later on, Sapphira comes and she repeats the same deal. And they say, Sapphira, what's the deal with the land? Oh, yes, my husband. We took all the money that we sold the land for and brought the whole price here and gave it to you, just like, just like Barnabas did, just like Joseph did. And the apostle quizzes her and says, was that the whole price? Yes, it was the whole price. That's all the money we got. And he says to her, you, you're, just like, you cannot, you're just like your husband. You're lying just like him. You guys, why did you do this? Wasn't it yours to keep and do whatever you wanted? To? We would have been thrilled with half of the price of the land. That would have been so generous. All of this implied in the text. She dies and she's carried out, it says, by the same people that carried her husband. What's the one point of this sermon? Because it's really easy to get it wrong, to step on the rake and have it come right back and hit you in the nose and break your nose. What's the message? Depth first, depth second, depth always. And that's what we see in this text. We see two kinds of people in this text, and there are at least these two kinds of people in churches. In fact, there are these two kinds of people in your businesses, in your neighborhoods, in your PTA groups, whatever there might be, you find these two kinds of people. You find other kinds of people in the nuances of life as well. But here you go, two kinds of people. And here we're going to contrast them because this text is a purposeful contrast. It puts in juxtaposition on purpose these two kinds of people. You have in Joseph or Barnabas, you have people who are trying to help somebody. And you have in Ananias and Sapphira, people who are trying to be somebody. People are trying to help folks and people who are trying to make a name for themselves. Look at Joseph, who's later named Barnabas. He's somebody who's trying to help somebody. He comes and he sells a piece of property and he takes the whole amount and of his own free will, because of something that's boiling in his heart, because he wants to help somebody. This is a guy who cannot stand the fact that he sees somebody whose life is experiencing less, anything less than what God intends for it. It touches him. It stirs him. He just can't stand it. He can't stand when he sees somebody experiencing injustice. He can't stand it when he sees somebody without enough food to eat. He can't stand it when he sees somebody without hope. He can't stand it when he sees somebody who has no joy. He wants them to have everything God wishes for them, everything God longs to give to them. It bothers him. There is no rest for him, a person who wants to really help somebody. And so that person is stirred 
third to take any means he or she has and says, here, help them find it. Do whatever you can to help them find everything God dreams of for them. I don't like the fact that I'm experiencing all of that and they're not. I lose sleep at night over that. I can't stand that innocent people have not heard of the love of Christ and are experiencing of anything other than the love and joy and peace and wholeness and hope and invitation into, the, into what God longs for them. And here, anything I have, my whole life is given. And so why not this piece of property? That's Joseph. That's Barnabas. This guy Barnabas is so impressive that he gets a nickname. It's kind of a cool thing to get a nickname. Remember Jesus says to Peter, or to, uh, to uh, what's Peter's first name before Jesus reading Simon. He says, Simon, you're no longer Simon. You're now Peter. You're now the rock. The other apostles heard that. I want a nickname, man. I want to be like Art the Stud. And I want you to name Jeff and Ben the mouse. You know what I mean? Just make me the... And the two mice, here comes the stud. Oh, that would work, you know. A couple of those apostles were called, that's a great name, the sons of thunder. It was an honorable thing. I mean, it's a big deal. Jesus renamed you? And so now, from Ananias and Sapphira's perspective, what are they seeing? Joseph, the Levite, the Cyprian comes, offers the whole deal. And he is later named Barnabas. Gets a new name. Plus, you see, he's a Levite. One thing we know about Levites, they're not allowed to own land. So probably, we don't know how that was being enforced by the time of Christ, but almost certainly he wasn't allowed to own land in the Holy Lands. That's where they are. Perhaps this was land that he had inherited from from his homeland, from Cyprus. How rare is it for a Levite to even own land in the first place? And then if he can figure out how to land on his feet and own a piece of land without violating the law, that's a pretty cool deal, man. You are set up, man. You don't sell that, that's for sure. Because you can't replace it. You can't just go next week and buy another piece of land, probably. And so the generosity and the commitment to the gospel and the depth of his heart that says, I can't stand it, that somebody's going out, what, going without what I have found in Christ, I want them to find it too. Here, apostles, take the whole thing. Pretty generous guy, this Barnabas. No wonder he got a new name. Acts 11 refers to Barnabas at a couple of occasions. In Acts 11.24, he's referenced as a good man full of the Holy Spirit. Later on in that same chapter, Barnabas is trusted to carry an offering that churches in one region, they take an offering, a financial offering, and they so trust him, he's of such deep character that they say, put this in your pockets and take this back to Judea to help the brothers and sisters who are there. They trust him. He's not going to take a penny out of that offering. He's going to die before he loses any of that to make sure that it gets to the people that really need it. That's the depth of character that this guy Joseph, who's later named Barnabas, gets. With Barnabas, his motives for his generosity reveal the depth of his faith the significance of his character, his public notoriety, this is important, his public 
notoriety is the result of his spiritual substance. You get that? For him, it was always. For Barnabas, Joseph, it was always depth first, depth second, depth always. Notoriety is born from character. Not the other way around. And Ananias and Sapphira, I believe, see that. And have some feeling like this. I want a nickname. <laughs> You're all whispering about how great this guy is. I, I, Peter, he's one of their favorites. I want that. And so they go and they let's just do what he did. And they sell some property they have. Now, God bless them. They were willing to give half of it to the gospel cause. Can't take that away from them. That's a good thing. But their generosity isn't born primarily out of the depth of character. Their generosity, they're trying to do a leapfrog right over character to notoriety. Do you see where I'm going with this? And they come and they say, here, 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 the whole thing. Everybody hear that? The whole thing, baby. Oh, and they're thinking, they'll whisper, oh my goodness, Ananias and Sapphira, they're so wonderful. Look at, they must have. Shining the apple on their coat. There are two kinds of people. There are those who are trying to help somebody, but then there are the people, like at least in that weak moment, I don't know them, so I don't want to judge their whole life by this weak moment, but man, what a bummer, it got recorded. And here we are. Good thing you named him Ben and not Ananias. There are people who are trying to help somebody, but in churches and businesses and all over the world, politics, you name it. There are also, unfortunately, people who are trying to be somebody. People who are saying, depth first, depth second, depth always. If notoriety comes, so be it. But that's not what I'm after. And then there are those people who are saying, how in the world do I, f how can I get known for something? Be known as somebody, regardless of depth. And short circuit this thing. It's like my friend's house, trying to build that thing without a foundation. Later on, eventually, it's going to come down. And you try to build the foundation second, it's an expensive mess. And there's been all kinds of wreckage done in the meantime. That's the one point of this message. And that's the point I want you to take away today. People who want to make a name to, for themselves, they're people who are trying to do that leapfrog dance. You know, this text, I believe, is not primarily about the shame of the half of the sale Ananias and Sapphira kept. It's about the deception of what they tried to purchase with the half they contributed. Do you get that? How much does it cost for me to be the hero of this story? How much does it cost for me to find power in this congregation? My dad, as I've said before, I'll my dad pulled me aside when I went to seminary and he said, now don't you sell out the people. Because when you sell out to the powerful in your congregation, you sell out all the rest of the people to do it. Remember, I've told you before, my dad actually said to me, when you guys get that little degree you get, 
and they hand you your Bible, they ought to tattoo something across your forehead before you're ever allowed to be ordained. And it ought to be not for sale. I don't think I've always lived up to that, to be honest. But I long to. Depth first. Depth second. Depth always. For Ananias and Sapphira and those people that some of us are and all of us see, it's the opposite. Notoriety first, notoriety second, notoriety always. Power first, power second, power always. It's not the way of the road that leads to Christ. Ananias and his wife are examples that speak to us from the grave. Offering another way to make that one point of this sermon. Like, beware of people whose influence outstrips their maturity. Influence should never outstrip maturity. Maturity should outstrip influence. Because there's a difference, listen, there's a difference between being a large wall and being a great wall. You get the difference? When living a life that's moving toward Christ, we're reminded of things like this. It's the one who soars, that the one who soars the highest is always the one who dug the deepest. But the first are the ones who have been willing to be last. Do you see this? But the greatest among us are the ones who have been willing to serve the least among us. There are any number of ways to impress people, but there is only one way to impress God. It's with the placing of that unseen 570-ton stone in your soul that will be needed to uphold the 570 ounces, if you're fortunate and faithful, the 570 pound or tons stone in your soul that will be needed to uphold the 570 ounces of good you'll do with your life. And that's about the right equation. Depth first, depth second, depth always. Try to do it any other way and you'll get it completely wrong. Now, we've been talking about action items. Last week, Michael said, I might have the easiest action item for you of all of them. I don't think it was that easy, actually. We have one for you today, too. And I don't know if it's the hardest one, but it's certainly one that'll keep you busy. Today's date is the 14th, right? So what I want you to do for seven days, look at the date and read that proverb. Today you'll read Proverbs 14. Tomorrow you read Proverbs. Oh, you guys are brilliant. Bunch of savants in here. All the way through to next Saturday, Proverbs 20. Even just read it once through. Each day that dates Proverb. Because Proverbs are wisdom, they're deep, they're profound. And we will be a church that now and forever believes depth first, depth second, absolutely, 
That's getting it right. Lord, may it be. Take us there. Build our foundations. And have the mercy to make sure that our notoriety, our influence, never outstrips our maturity. In our marriages, in our friendships, as citizens, and certainly as citizens of the kingdom of God and members of the church. We pray in the name of Christ.